today we're kind of talking about a couple of things. We're talking about Silicon Valley. Uh, if you're going to talk about AI, even though that's not been kind of officially invented yet. Silicon Valley is a place which came to prominence through Stanford University. So Stanford University decided they need to invest in local businesses within the area, and it ended up being more technologically based, and it just grew and grew and grew, and kind of now consumes like a huge kind of landmass. During the 1940s and 50s, Frederick Tierman, as Stanford's Dean of Engineering, um, encouraged the faculty and graduates to start their own companies. He is credited with nurturing Hewlett-Packard, Varian Associates, and other high-tech firms until what would become Silicon Valley grew up around the Stanford campus. Um, Terman is officially is often called the father of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley now receives a third of all venture capitalist investment in the whole of America. So if anyone's going to invest money in a startup, it's a one in three odds. It's going to be within the Silicon Valley area. Now, why are we talking about Silicon Valley? It's this place that rises up out of nowhere. It becomes this place that people from all around the world kind of flock to for investment. So you have tech hubs. You have tech hubs in different countries. London is now becoming a really hot, huge, up-and-coming tech hub. We're doing pretty good. Obviously, Silicon Valley is the Mac Daddy of the tech hub and is a place where huge companies like Apple as well, another one, biggest tech hub in tech company in the world um, started from there and um, the reason we are touching on this as a topic is because obviously Silicon Valley is all about Genesis chapter 11 so if you've got your Bible on your phone whatever you want to turn to it Genesis chapter 11 now the whole earth had one language the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Notice these bricks are the very latest in technology within the area. People have heard the bricks are being used. People swarm in from the east to get around this new technology. They want to be a part of it. They want to be a part of the buzz and the excitement. And so most of the known world converges on this place in Shinar and they settle there because they've heard of bricks. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves least we be spread out dispersed over the face of the whole earth which if you notice in the original Genesis story God gives them the command to spread out to multiply to fill the earth and so what happens so early on in the narrative is this trend to reverse that and instead of spreading out they're all herding to one place around this new technology to kind of collaborate. So they're saying, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. So God comes down to Silicon Valley and checks out what's going down. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose 
to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Now Babel as a word um, is the name of the place but in the Hebrew tongue um, it sounds very close to their word for confused. So these people had this vision around this new technology and they wanted to all collaborate together and they wanted to conspire and collude to do something which was against that which they knew and they believed to be through the tradition passed down orally through their families. They knew that this was counterproductive to what they believed and what they thought God had said for them to do, to spread out. They went against that trend. They wanted to resist that and they wanted to collude together to do this. And God sees what they're doing. He comes down. He checks it all out. He disperses them. He spreads them out. And they name the place Babel. So basically, they call this place confused. And then the next thing we see is this passage where it's like, there are generations of Shem, and Shem was 100 years old. He fathered... um, what the heck? I love these names, man. That is a bad name. Like, please, if anyone has kids, don't call their kid that. Apashazard. Man, these names are just there to boy me every Sunday. Two years after the flood, and Shem lived with his, and he fathered, don't say that name again, you're taking the mick. 500 years, and they had other sons and daughters, and his name again. Like, how many times did one drop this name? So basically, we've got this long list of names that can be pronounced by Andy. And it goes through all these different names. And then in verse 26, it says, When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Now it goes into Terah's descendants. And now in chapter 12, it starts with the story of Abraham. Now for you and I, when we read this, what we have is we have this particular story here. And then we have this kind of genealogy there. And we see them as like this separate kind of thing. And then we see this story of Abraham come up. But for the first readers of this tradition and the first hearers and the first readers who would go through this, they would be like, oh, this genealogy is like, for us, a paper chain. So like as a kid at school, and I know Marvin would have done this with the kids that he works with all the time, where you get that piece of paper, you fold it, fold it, fold it, and then you cut out the man, and then you pull it across like, yay. And what you see between here is you've got this story of what these people did, and then this paper chain connecting it along, and then the next place the paper chain stops is directly as a story, which is all about that. It's like a bridge between the two. And it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And so we have this story after here, and we talk about in the Christian and the Jewish tradition of father Abraham and what we have is we have two stories and they're actually the same story and they're exactly about our story and it's actually about not just them but it's about you and me because we will do one of two things we'll either collude or we'll collaborate 
And what we'll do is we'll either be a part of the confused narrative. And the confused narrative says this, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. So in this narrative, it's all about, let's all come together and build something for my glory. Let's live our lives completely centered around me. And God comes down to check it out. Notice God comes down to check it out. Totally different from how I want to live my life and totally different from how God wants us to interact with him. Adam and Eve hung out with him in the cool of the evening. This is the kind of thing where a Silicon Valley starts up and God has to come check it out. That's a sad story, guys. I just want to encourage you guys that never in your lives as you're doing something and you make something a priority that you're going to invest your time, your heart, your soul and your life in, never go to build something like that without saying, yo, dad, father, God, check this out. What do you think? He has to come check this out himself. And then what does he do? He comes down and he sees it. And then God looks at it. And when he looks at it, he sees the long term of this. And he sees, you know what? They can achieve this. Because together as they collaborate, as they collude together with one another, they will achieve this. And when they achieve this, they're going to see that there is nothing that they can't do. And is God against us achieving the impossible? No, but God sees into the distance. He sees way, way ahead. And he sees what it will mean for them as a society. He sees into the future. He sees the disruption it will cause. The disruption to what? To his plan. To the call he's given them initially to go and to fill the earth. And we see that as this primitive kind of base level thing. But then what we see as we go through the different names after this story, after there's been this confusion, this dispersion throughout the nations, we see him walk up to this guy and engage with Abraham. And he says to Abraham, dude, I want you to go. I want you to leave the place you're at. You're at this great civilization in Ur. You're at this great place where everything is together. I want you to drop what you're doing. I want you to leave what you know. I want you to head for a place, which in Hebrews it says, he goes to look for a city whose maker and whose name and whose author and whose architect is God. And so in the first story, it's come, let us build our greatness around me. In the second story, it's let's find what God is doing. Let's become a part of what he wants to do. And instead of it being about them achieving their greatness for their own name's sake, God is like, get involved in what I'm doing. And he says, and I will make your name great. And I will bless you. And I will honor you. And so today, as we look at this, as this story and as this narrative, we see that God comes down to check out the world's first tech hub. He checks out MIT. He assesses that this is not the time nor the place and brings about confusion. Guys, I want to ask the question because when we look at society and we will look at our lives and look at where we're at, we can see the traces of this. So for example, last week when we did our first installment on the series AI, there was a quote from one of the great IT professionals of our age, a guy who started an organization in London called DeepMind and I mentioned last week how this company is the scariest company on the face of the earth for me. Like, no company has me more shook than this company. DeepMind look, is looking to solve intelligence. They're creating AI, which is why we're doing this series. But we see even the legacy of this first story in chapter 11, because here God said that if they all come together, they'll achieve this. So he dispersed them so that this would not be a notion within their mind. And his literal quote, the reason for building a superintelligence was that if we just add more people to the equation, we won't be able to solve the issues of our generation. There's this lasting effect 
of this notion thousands and thousands of years later that in the age of collaboration, we live in the age of collaboration, collaboration is happening across continents, across cities, through the internet, with people that never even see each other face to face, working on projects all around the world. And in that age, with that available, problem solving being done at a higher level than it's ever done before, this guy is still saying the same thing of like, man, if you add more names, more people to the equation, we can't solve it. So he wants to create a super intelligence to solve the world's problems like um, global warming, uh, climate change, um, pollution, um, travel, um, creating all, all the traffic issues we face, um, the, the diseases that we face, all these kind of issues. He's saying we need to look to a super intelligence to solve these kind of challenges, these kind of issues, whereas actually a super intelligence has solved this issue. That if we were just to spread out, if we were just to go with the plan, with the flow that was there. And Abraham sets out not just looking for like an actual city in his day and age, because in Hebrews it says he never saw it come. He died never seeing the fulfillment of this vision. He died never seeing it actually happen tangibly before his eyes but he set out not just looking for a city but he set into motion it said that by him all the nations of the world would be blessed that didn't happen when they moved into canaan that happened thousands of years after that through jesus and we received this blessing from that and so what abraham set out to seek we see through the next pages of this book page book after book page after pages in the scriptures we see this fulfillment come in jesus where he starts to talk about the kingdom of heaven, where he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's within reach, it's here and it's now. And he starts to say what that kingdom would look like and the way that we can act, the way that we are to live our lives, where we're to engage with one another. And that upon that, we build something sacred. And so we take a shift away from ourselves, looking to one who is greater than ourselves and living our lives in this model. And this model is what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. And what God is calling you and I to do is to shift from a place of confusion to a place where he is the center, where we don't live our lives with me as the number one rule, but we put him there that we look outward towards those around us. And so today when we look at this series, Artificial Intelligence, what we're saying is that there are big issues in our society ones which are way ahead of us and seem way out of our control to be in the solution. But what I believe and what I believe God calls us to do is I believe he's still calling us to collaborate. With Abraham, both of these stories are about collaboration, but one of them is all about their own glory to the detriment of society and those around them. The other is one which places God at the center looking outwards towards society. Because the reason he says to him to do this, he says, if you go out seeking this place, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. That's hugely different. The question I want us to ask of ourselves, the way I'm living my life today, am I living my life in a way that says, let me build something great for me? Or am I living a life that says, man, if I just live this way, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. This started with one nomad moving with his family to a place that's called a, caused a paradigm shift throughout the whole of humanity, which leads directly up to the birth of the Christ. And throughout the ages, a shift in all these different nations and a challenge 
that has never changed from this book, which points out the same message again and again in different stories and different people's lives. This is the destruction that selfishness causes. This is the call of God, to lay down our lives for one another, to look at the bigger issue. Nelson Mandela says that poverty is a man-made problem that can be solved by the actions of men. And while we keep living in an age, and while we perpetuate the idea that building a great city and a great tower like Babel, like Silicon Valley, like other places, where a third of the America's investment will go into projects all there, making the rich richer and the poor poorer, and while we continue to invest in those systems, and while we continue to draw in in that way instead of spreading out, instead of looking out to reach out to those in our sphere of influence that are in need, shifting our mindset, we're going to be a part of the problem that causes damage to this world. 1% of the world has 46% of the world's wealth. And in the next 10 years, that's going to shift to 56%. And we keep reading what the media has to say. And the media keeps pointing the finger at the poor. Our country does it probably better than anyone else. Throughout the whole election, everyone's talking about immigration. No one's talking about the 800, um, what was it, 800 million or billion? 800 million was it for the banks that they got that came in from taxpayers' money to save them? And then 800 million went out on bonuses. And no one was talking about that, but we were talking about Polish people. We were talking about UKIP. We're talking about foreign people in this country because the rich own the media to point the finger, to point at who they want to blame. And while we keep doing Silicon Valley and while we keep doing Babel and creating this confused idea that it is all about my greatness, real people suffer and real people die. And God came down amongst that people, seeing where it would lead, that everything would come to one place and that people would suffer and people would die and that we would ignore the real issues of young people being disenfranchised and in gangs because they have no options and they are completely disadvantaged and no one cares about helping them progress and no one wants to deal with that issue. That we have food banks on the rise more than ever. At least, thank God, the church is feeding the poor and the hungry. And the only bank David Cameron doesn't like is a food bank that feeds people. While his banker chums get all the bonuses, while his banker chums and all the other rich get all these different um, investments for new opportunities while the poor just get poorer and the rich just get richer. And the way the credit system works is no one gets lent money except with a thousand percent interest unless you're desperate and the desperate aren't able to get access. And we live in this system. And that is what Babel is all about. It's confused and it's for individuals' glory. And we are but a small group here this morning. But I want to encourage you that Abraham was but one man and he stepped out on a pursuit for something more, for something greater than a system, but the call of God that said, this isn't about you. This is about something greater. This is about something that transcends your name. And Abraham forsake that and pursued something big. I believe this morning that God is calling us. I believe for some of us that God is looking at our lives and he sees us as confused. And he's asking us the question, will you invite me down into your confusion? Will you invite me down into the project you're working on that you think everything is based around it? Will you surrender it to me? Will you say, hey God, come in. I want to collaborate with you. 
I'm doing this thing, but how can I use this thing for your glory, for your goodness? Because I don't want to be a part of a system that builds up my greatness while others suffer, but I want to be a part of something bigger. I want to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing. Will you invite him into your scenario this morning and start to ask those questions directly with God instead of waiting for him to just rock up and go, this sucks and this is going to ruin humanity. I'm dispersing this. I want to encourage us to ask that question. Secondly, for some of us here, I want to encourage us to take that next step in our relationship with God where we don't just think about ourselves. We think about how can I collaborate and become a part of what the Bible calls ecclesia, these groups that are called out for a purpose. Just across the road over there, I've talked about it before, is um, uh, Holy Trinity Clapham, where the Clapham sect met, where a small group of people, a few extra numbers than what we are this morning, set out on a chart the challenge and the task of abol- abolishing the slave trade in this, con- in this country. Small group. Abraham sets out with a vision for something different. Thousands of years later, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here, it's at hand. And this morning I say the same thing. It's here, it's at hand. But we have to make a decision. We have to do what Jesus talks about, repenting, turning away from the great tower where it's all about me and taking a shift to the sacrificial life that Christ modeled for us, which is the kingdom that Abraham steps out to seek after. I'm going to pray for us and that will be kind of it for this morning and for this um, part of the series today. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. You know each and every single one of us. You know our hearts. You know where we're at. We're at all different places. Each one of us is unique. Each one of us is so different. But Father, I thank you that all of us are made in your image and that you are the creator, which means each one of us is creative. We all have something to bring. So often, God, we live our lives pursuing just money. Father, may we pursue creativity. May we pursue being like you. Father, I pray for those of us here, Lord God, who are already on that journey, pursuing after the same thing that Abraham pursued, the same thing, the same call that Christ laid down for us. I pray that you would continue to encourage us and inspire us and sustain us. But Father God, maybe there are some here this morning that are a bit like me, that maybe feel like we've been trying to build something for our own name's sake, build something all around us and all about us. Father, we just pray that we would come, that we would invite you in, that you would come and be who you are. And that we wouldn't wait for you to come and disperse and disband what we're doing. That you wouldn't have to come and bring confusion to stop us bringing destruction upon our own families, upon our own communities and upon our own groups. But the Father instead, we would invite you in that you would be the inspiration to bring about sustainable change within our communities and in the global village that we live. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. And we just surrender our plans to you. We don't look to a false artificial intelligence to solve these issues. Father, we know that you've already given the answers to them. We just pray that you give us the wisdom to collaborate with you on solving them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.